0: Welcome to Long Distance Listening, a music podcast. Hello and welcome to Long Distance Listening. I'm Andrew. And I'm Nate. Welcome to our Caspian episode, where we will be listening to Caspian's newest album, On Circles. Now, something that's a little bit unique about this episode, for us, this is only our second time doing this, but we are doing this as a first listen episode. So what that means is that Nate and I have not prepared. We know Caspian from the past, so if you count that as preparation, we've we've listened to Caspian in the past. But... This episode, we are going to listen to each song and give our initial impressions of it from a first take perspective. Having not listened to this a bunch, luckily there's not going to be a lot of lyrics on this album. If you know Caspian, you know them as an instrumental band. There are going to be some lyrics, but luckily we won't have to break those down as much for you on this album. So we're just going to give you our thoughts on kind of how these tracks hit us from an instrumental standpoint and just what we think of them kind of straight through. Now, what that means is that some of these songs will grow on us, then maybe some of our takes or things that we like or dislike will change over time but also we want to start this conversation so we would love if if we're saying something and you go oh man like that's not exactly what they were getting at maybe with with some of the lyrics or maybe we have a take on this is the best part musically and you're like oh i actually think this is the best part musically let's get this conversation going so after this episode we'd love to hear a lot of feedback on what your favorite parts are on this album are and just just really start dialoguing a lot more about this album. We're expecting some really great things. Caspian's an awesome band. So we're going to jump into our first segment about Caspian, and it's actually going to be a segment that we call How Did You Discover Caspian? And so with the segment, we're just going to talk about how Nate and I figured out or discovered Caspian and started listening to them. So, Nate, how did you discover Caspian?
1: Yeah, you know, Andrew, I feel like we should do this differently than we usually do this because rarely do our stories so perfectly coincide (laughs) honestly let's just like have a conversation about this okay okay so i remember i had a tennis match like central west central pa and i drove there separately from the team because i had to get back to philly before the team would get back to Lancaster, where my school was, because you and I had a show to go to.
0: Yes, we did. And
1: and what was that show, Andrew?
0: That show was Under Oath's Rebirth Tour, where they played... Two of their albums straight through, but it was after their long hiatus that they came back and it was kind of their, I mean, it's called Rebirth, so it's a Rebirth tour. And it's actually my favorite concert of all time still to this day.
1: And part of the reason why it was your favorite concert of all time mm-hmm. wasn't simply the rebirth of Under Oath, though that played a very instrumental role, but it was also the opener, which happened to be Caspian. So when you were going into the show, what... Expectations did you have of Caspian? What did you know of Caspian up to that point?
0: When I first saw them announced, I assumed that they were actually more like a nine inch nails. I don't know why like the name or, or some of the artwork. I was kind of like, okay, they're gonna be kind of this like dark and moody type of band. And then I listened a little bit to Dust and Disquiet and was like, oh, why why do I not hear singing? Wait, are they seriously an instrumental band? And so I only listened to, like, two or three songs, and I was like, okay, I guess they do some instrumental, but I'm not sure that I fully understood that they don't sing. I think I just assumed that it was, like, a 50-50, and I just chose the 50% that was not singing. But I was kind of questioning. They are a very unique band to have open for Under Oath, not what you'd expect.
1: Yeah, and... For me, I don't even think I listened to any tracks heading in. I kind of went in blind because for a show like Under Oath's Rebirth Tour, you're not thinking about, well, I got to check out the opener first before buying these tickets. Yeah. Yeah. Like with other shows, you know, you're like, well, I like the main band, but let me see who's opening because I don't know if I like the lead band well enough to really invest this much time and energy into a show like this so you do some research on the other bands see if you'd like them and if you think you would then you're like okay i'll buy tickets to go to the show we kind of bought tickets blindly not knowing or caring who was opening and i remember i think we walked in mid-set to caspian
0: i think only like a song yeah or two. exactly yeah no yeah
1: they played plenty of stuff when we were there but it wasn't like we were there for the beginning. We walked in, and honestly, I can still say to this moment, it was probably the most like emotional live music listening experience for me. Not in the sense that I was like crying, but in the sense that seeing Caspian and especially hearing those songs for the first time and having no idea what to expect and just kind of immersing myself and soaking myself into them at the show was so emotional and it was so powerful. And to this day, it's honestly, I know we probably differ on this and it's no problem. I actually liked... Caspian set better than Under Oath <laughs> even though Under Oath killed it and was incredible Caspian just like opened my eyes and to a new genre too of post-rock where and still I don't listen to a ton of post-rock part of the reason why is because Caspian's the first post rock band I found, and very few have been able to measure up to me, where I'm like, why would I listen to these guys when I can listen to Caspian? So, yeah, I was blown away, and it was just like such an incredible experience. And it's so fun when you discover a band live like that. Yeah. Because you're kind of heading in with no expectations, and it just, when a band blows you away live like that, it can be a, an incredible experience.
0: And one thing that I'll say as well, just adding to that, is I was just impressed by how they commanded that stage. Now, I think they're all pretty tall, too, so that might have something to do with it, too, but, like, they played bigger than life there that, like, normally an opening band, and not many people knew Caspian. I'm pretty sure only a handful of people in that whole crowd actually knew them, at least before they would have been announced, and everyone was really there for Under Oath. Usually when everyone's there for one band, the opening act has a really hard time getting people engaged. Dude, people were way into Caspian. Even after the first or second song, they were like cheering pretty loud after each song ended. It just felt like Caspian came out and just kind of punched you in the face and you knew like, wait a second. Because sometimes with openers that you don't know, you're just like, just finish so we can get to the bands that I know. And that was not the case. When Caspian ended, I think everyone was like, I would have sat through at least another half hour to <laughs> an hour of them playing Like at least before you would have been like, okay, let's get to some Under Oath. Because they played so well. They had so much energy. And I've never been to a show like that show in general that like the crowd carried as much energy as it did. But I think that the fact that Caspian opened so well they imparted so much of their energy into the crowd that then made the experience of Under Oath so much better later in the show. Oh,
1: I 100% agree with that. Like, And I'm not saying you need to give Under Oath an equal amount of props as you do Caspian, but you got to give Under Oath some props for picking Caspian as their opener yep. because they were like an emotional blender just like stirring you up like getting you like invested and ready that when i think like you said when under oath came out fans just weren't like usually with a show like that fans are excited for them with like just anticipation and just longing to see under oath longing to see that band but i don't think they were just filled with anticipation but musically they were like brought to a place where thematically almost like it was time because there was such a good opening act that like Under Oath when they came in was that much better and that much stronger because of yeah. Caspian.
0: It was a great show and they were the only two bands too. It was just Caspian and Under Oath. and again, my all time favorite concert and Caspian had a lot to do with that for sure.
1: What's funny about it for me, Andrew, is so for those who don't know and don't listen to the podcast. So we make a big hoopla about Andrew being in Boston, I being in Philly. And at this time, I was actually in the Philly area, as I mentioned before, because of school. And it's funny, Caspian, all the guys basically live within 30 minutes of my house near Boston. They live on the North Shore. And it took me like, leaving home where they are to discover them in a certain level. I don't know. It's kind of stupid, but it's also just, like, kind of interesting, just, like, how things match up and collide and align. But, yeah, so that's how Andrew and I discovered Caspian. We'd love to know how you guys discovered Caspian. Let us know on our socials, um, LDL Pod on Instagram and on Twitter, or you can email us at longdistancelistening.com. Yeah, we're pretty big into email, just f- f- for... We know email's coming back, and we just want to be ahead of the curve on that. I mean, it's hard to get through all the emails just because we get so much so often, so it's going to take a (laughs) while for me to respond to you, but don't worry. We'll get to you eventually. Um, But yeah, so now's the time to actually listen to the record. I can't wait. On Circles, Caspian, 2020. Let's get it, Andrew.
0: Yeah. So let's jump into the first track. The first track is called Wild Blood. Great. That was Wild Blood. Nate, what are your thoughts on Wild Blood? Yeah, so first off, I want to
1: give a little behind the scenes on the conversation we started out actually before we started recording, where we were looking over the track list and we were like, dang, these are some sick track titles. I mean, Wild Blood is a great example and um, it gets you pumped. You're like really excited to hear it based off the name. And you brought up how, like, When you're an instrumental band for the most part, like Caspian, those track names are really all that you're saying. And so there almost seems to be like almost like a little bit extra of time and thought put into the track name. And maybe not, but it just really feels that way. And these track names are so sick. But, anyways, to talk about the actual track itself, I think with a lot of these songs, I'm gonna like them not love them. And then in like three days, I'm going to be obsessed. Like, I can already feel that because with this song, I'm just spending so much time processing what's happening. It's like hard to fully vibe with it because I'm like, okay, what's going on? Where are they going? I'm anticipating, I'm expecting all this stuff. That being said, even though I really liked the first four minutes... The last three minutes were very solid. I loved when it died down and went quiet. That initial riff to start out, that second part of the track, very catchy. And then, um, I mean, the ending was spectacular and very grand and epic. And it was a beautiful buildup all the way through. But what about you, Andrew?
0: Yeah, I think I expected, oh, there's not lyrics, so there'll be less to process. But I I almost forgot how much Caspian puts in musically that I almost feel like there's as much to process. I do agree. I really like the later portion. It's insane with Caspian and just what they're able to do that I basically was grooving and not paying attention to where I was in the song. And I look up going, okay, there's probably like 30 seconds left. And it had only been about three minutes. And there was like, this is almost a seven-minute song. And so it was way too early to think it was about to end. But they hit like another level. And I wasn't expecting that. That it felt like it would have been right to wrap up earlier. But they were able to not just have a long track for the sake of having a long track. And you are tired by the end of the seven minutes going, eh. Uh, They should have stopped it four minutes before or whatever, that they were able to hit another level that I, again, agreeing with you, I go, I'm so glad they didn't stop it early because I thought that that next level that they hit was next level. No, it was, it was amazing. <laughs> it was so good. But uh, some other things that they did, I mean, right away, they had some saxophone in there. Oh, yeah, it might have been sick. some other woodwinds or really something, sick. but it was so cool.
1: I'm sorry to interrupt you, but, like, it's funny, I completely forgot about that section because you're like trying to process everything. And once you get to the end, you're like, there's so much going on. That's incredible. Exactly.
0: The whole song had such a beautiful build up to the first hit. And man, when they first hit like drums and guitars at the same time, I look up at Nate and Nate just smiling. Cause like, how could you not? It's so good and it's what you've been expecting, but they like, made you wait for it and that was so cool so i i feel like especially with how long of the build the intro was they were building for over a minute by the time the guitars really came in and so i think it has to be the perfect first track as well we have no context in the album to know if there's other ways or, or songs that we might have preferred them start but as a first listen it feels like it's a perfect first track so all right let's move on to track two track two is called flowers of light all right neat what are your thoughts on flowers of light Yeah.
1: So I have three things. The first is the production is incredible. So they did this album with Will Yip, who's my favorite producer. I mean, he's just done too many albums I love. And uh, he's just so incredible. And so sometimes it's hard to hear it in the build up. I almost heard it better as it broke down. Like, all the production pieces is just so interesting and so intricate and so beautiful. The second point I have is, I really wish it was spring right now. Like, I really, really, really wish it was spring. I almost don't want to listen to this album that much until spring comes, because I want to, like, really be flooded with that warmth and that beauty that spring offers while listening to a song like this and potentially an album like this, I don't know how the rest is going to go. But seasonally, I can feel this is not a winter-type track at all. It's definitely more in that spring feel. And I mean, Flowers of Light, I mean, obviously, spring imagery. And then my last thing is, I don't know of any band that can combine heaviness and happiness As well as Caspian does on a track like this. Like, this song is really heavy. And it's so positive and so happy. You rarely ever see those two come together. And uh, they've done it so beautifully. And I don't know how, but they did it. (laughs) And uh, yeah, this is an incredible track. This was the first single, I think. So... I know this wasn't the first song we heard, but this would be a great first single for the record. So,
0: Andrew, what were your thoughts? This song is so freaking cool. There just keeps being parts and layers added that just take it to the next level. I really love that basically they're looping a, I guess, a two-bar portion of the song is kind of the lead line, and then they built... I mean, five minutes around, for the most part, two bars that keep repeating, but somehow it does not get old. I don't know how it doesn't get old, and it keeps adding and changing, and that's one thing that Caspian does better than maybe any other band or at least a lot of bands that I listen to. It's just that they're able to keep a simple idea and just keep expanding on it, and you're not tired by the end of that idea. Like, I would go back and listen to the song again right now because i loved it so much i thought this was excellent i'm already getting a feeling that this might be my favorite on the album i (laughs) i mean it's just it's so good i love it so much so i don't have too much else i guess to say oh i do really like how it broke down at the end a little bit with some of the different production and layered effects that all of a sudden the timing got a little bit jumbled and it was a little bit weird at the end that was a cool way to kind of end the song as well alright let's move on to our next track our next track is called Nostalgist featuring Kyle Durfee of Pianos Become the Teeth All right, that was nostalgist. Nate, what are your thoughts on this track?
1: Yeah, so, so, Keep You by Pianos Become the Teeth is one of my absolute favorite albums of all time. It's just an incredible record, an emotional, just an emotionally devastating record that just hits you in the heart every time. And I think Kyle's such an incredible vocalist, and he has this very unique voice um, that most other artists don't have and I just think they fit him in seamlessly here I mean it sounds like he's a part of the band like if you showed me this song and this was the first Caspian song I heard it sounds very natural like and they did a great job adjusting the track to make it fit vocals really well and not feel like he's forcing vocal parts into places where they shouldn't be. Which I imagine would be difficult when you're an instrumental band, just like trying to make that work because you never really have to deal with it. Yeah, I just think it's a really interesting take on this nostalgia and just how negative and unhealthy it can be to almost glorify the past in ways that it shouldn't be glorified and just misremembering almost. That's my current take after one listen and I did not dive deep into the lyrics, obviously, so that could be totally off and my opinion might totally change. But um yeah, I thought it was really a beautiful track and very sad like this is the first sad song so far, and it you could feel that emotion and that deep deep sadness. But yeah, Andrew, what are your thoughts?
0: Yeah, I don't remember a track like this from Caspian, not only with Obviously, Kyle Durfee singing the whole time and having more less of an instrumental track and more of a a singing, I guess I'll say more normal song. But I think just the emotions that the song is able to bring out, it is a sad song and you feel that. I also really, really love that bridge. It's such a strong bridge and I like how when they go back to it later, and I could be wrong about this, but I'm pretty sure that they change the progression just slightly Over what he's singing. And it just adds another layer there. And so they keep adding to it. I'm also very impressed. That somehow. This still sounds like Caspian. Even with all the singing. It doesn't actually sound like. Anyone else. It still sounds like Caspian featuring. Kyle Durfee. Not obviously pianos become the teeth or like a different band completely that it still somehow inherently still sounds like Caspian and I think that's really hard to do when one of your defining characteristics is being an instrumental band that you assume that you get rid of that characteristic and all of a sudden it sounds like someone else but it really doesn't it sounds equal parts Kyle Durfee and Caspian and I think that's really cool all right let's move on to our next track the next track is called division blues So, Nate, what are your thoughts on Division
1: Blues? My thoughts are, damn, that first half of that album. I know, right? (laughs) Like, I don't want to, like, jinx it or anything, and I know everything's already set in stone, but, I mean, is the second half going to be as good as the first half? Like, is that possible?
0: Doubtful, but possible, (laughs) I suppose.
1: (laughs) I mean, I guess my one takeaway from this track, I mean, there's so much that was happening, is just how good they are at pulling at your heartstrings and, like... They are in control. Like, they do what they want to do. And when you expect something, often something else comes. And yet you know in the end kind of the overall trajectory of where they're going. You just have no idea how they're going to get there, which is what's so interesting. And in a genre like this, it's so easy to be tempted to become formulaic. And yet Caspian continually writes new song structures, like builds their songs in completely new ways. They enter uncharted waters, and I mean, the fruit are just abundant of their labor and their hard work and creative persistence because, I don't know, like this album's so incredible so far. I'm very interested to see how the rest will go. I'm sorry, I'm just more just like, at this point, I'm kind of like lost for words to a certain extent. What about you, Andrew?
0: Yeah, it's insane how we're four tracks in, and each track has been so different, like really different. This one, at least from a first-listen standpoint, is the weirdest one from a from a timing perspective. So I think if I counted right, they're an 11-4 on this song, which is a weird timing And they do it excellent. It's so cool. So I feel like 11.4, the best way I would explain it, if you don't know, you can never really settle in. They're always jumping a beat on you a little bit, that it feels like a timing that you know, and all of a sudden, if you're bopping your head, all of a sudden they jump a beat on you, that like their downbeats are just a little bit sooner than you expect every so often. Just trying to explain it a little bit. But it creates a really cool landscape to build this 7-minute Long song around, that to me is kind of the star of the show, is actually the timing. And then what they were able to do with that timing was insanely good. I was just loving, they added more clean guitars than they probably have throughout the album so far. It was probably the most chill song at moments obviously it still builds up and it's still really loud like caspian gets to on other songs but i would say that some of the the sound effects some of the tone that they're using on the guitar the reverbs it's just it's really beautiful and it's really amazing when it first started, Nate was just like, Mm, I'm interested to hear this one. That it was basically, it started out so cool, there was some warping sound effects, and it was just really unique. And then that first guitar strum comes in, like a really beautiful sounding guitar, and we both made the same sound. We were like, hmm. We were like, what's happening here? And there's so much to unpack on this, and we're not able to do that justice, but it's a great song. And again, first half of the album excellent hopefully the second half holds up and we can just close the book on this being an insanely good album all right let's move to track number five track number five is called andra That was Andra. What are your thoughts?
1: Yeah, wow, that was an incredible song. I think, despite it feeling obviously slower and I don't want to say not as dynamic, but it's it's not quite as all over the place. It has more of a consistent feel and texture throughout, despite it elevating and growing. There's still just as much action going on, I think you could say. There's still so many different parts and so many different production elements between the choir and the instrumentation. And obviously the guitars and the drums play a huge I feel like the drums play a huge part in this song too, just like creating that atmosphere and the pacing and yeah, I think it's such a change of pace on the album and yet it's kind of smacked up in the middle and perfectly timed after the last track, Division Blues, which was very all over the place and very crazy and chaotic. And yeah, it just made me feel very nostalgic, this song. Like, it almost is like, it makes you reflect on like memories and stuff and makes you, I don't know, it's like arguably the most nostalgic song on the album so far for me and very uh, almost soundtrack type quality to it but yeah what are your thoughts
0: yeah the soundtrack quality is what I'll hit on because I think I started to picture like a romantic movie where the guy's chasing after the girl at like the airport during some of it like it has some of those like like really theatrical type of elements but also it feels very emotional and so that's the right emotion when someone's like like very passionate and like running towards something is kind of the emotion that I feel like this song brings out really well. I think it's awesome that they use very, very little guitar. It's actually very piano, synth, drum, bass song. I really do love though, late in the song, they have a distorted bass and it's distorted like out of its mind. It's like so low and distorted and insane. And I think it's so cool. And then they build kind of off of that. And then they do the whole fake build at the end where it feels like they just keep building. And what's so cool, it hits so many layers of the build that you're like, oh, it's going to explode now. Hold on. No, they hit another level that it keeps building. It'll explode now. And then it, like, builds again. And then finally it drops. It hits, like, three different levels where I expect it to to explode and then it doesn't. And I think it's so cool that it fakes you out that way. I think this is one of the strongest tracks so far but from more just like a very different sense of just what they were able to do with the song with in some ways like you were saying less dynamics but still just how beautiful it is and how nostalgic it is even after our first lesson, it's it's really good all right let's move on to track number six track number six is called Collapser Right, or What are your thoughts, Nate? Okay, yeah. So
1: that was different than uh, than the last song, uh, Andra is very different. So the main difference for me is not even. Uh, well, I mean, obviously, it's the heaviness. But like Andra spends all this time kind of slowly building up and never quite just like. Getting into it and getting really heavy, like it's just more bright and it's momentous and it builds up, but it doesn't like dive into that sound on a heavier level. And then I almost feel like they were like, oh, we feel so guilty about like teasing our fans and not giving them that like intense, like heavy part and so let's just make a whole song that's heavy and just in it and, like, intense. And so, yeah, it's, like, really cool back-to-back with Anzra. And then just one weird thing I noticed I thought was really interesting is the intro sounds like like an intense part of a, like western movie like that guitar line the way not, it's not just a guitar line it's like the way the guitar is I don't know tuned or something I don't know this language but just like it feels very western which I've never heard them do almost like speaking of soundtracks like it could be in like no country for old men or whatever but yeah that was very heavy I think there was times at the song where it felt very like muddied and like mesh together and like I didn't really like it and I all I could really hear was those high guitar notes but once I was like okay Nate stop just thinking about the high guitar notes and focus on the lower the heavy bass and the heavy guitar lines then the high and the low really came together and it made sense and I really liked the way they built off each other yeah and the song I would say is worthy of its name yeah What are your thoughts, Andrew?
0: Yeah, so when the song first started, it was like just getting into it, right? So the first couple seconds, but Nate and I just kind of looked at each other and we're like, okay, yeah, this is good. And I think I said something like, I hope this is the hardest song ever. And it was, it really was. I don't remember Caspian going, I feel like quite this hard before. I think this might be... One of their hardest tracks to date so far, and I thought they did it so well. Like Proving that basically if they wanted to be an all-out, just straight hard rock band, they could do that. If they wanted to be more of a textural type of band like Anzra, they could do that. They just have such a range as a band that if they wanted to just stick to one style... They totally could, but I love that they're able to experiment in different styles. I think Nate put it a really good way, which is just the track placement of this after Andra, which even at the end, again, it's building. That's the biggest it gets, but it never releases. It doesn't have that, that payoff kind of. And this song is almost just one big payoff. It's like loud most of the song. It does come down for a little bit. But yeah, it's so hard. And the guitar hits, I noticed the production on this one a lot because of the amount of like just distortion that you're working with between the bass and the guitars. And then, yeah, you do have that high guitar part that's piercing through to make sure that everything somehow still has clarity while still sounding like it's just mass panic and just insanity. At the same time, I think that can be really tricky to not have it sound really muddy, and I think that they did a really good job with that. That, Like Nate pointed out, when you stop focusing on maybe just the high part and when you listen to some of the texture of the low guitar parts, it's awesome. I really love the muted guitars in it, too, when they just decide to go super heavy, like... Like, really metal. Like, at first, I thought it reminded me of some Thrice elements, which it has. And then I was like, actually, does it have more Three Days Grace elements? And then there's parts of it that sound almost like a Miss May I type of, like, like the hardest, like, heavy music that you would possibly listen to, while still avoiding breakdowns or some of those maybe more, I don't know, generic parts that you'd expect from this. I think it's a it's a better written rock song than a lot of bands uh, who this is their style. I mean, Caspian did a better job with it.
1: (laughs) I think listening to this album because it's so incredible and so like intense and uh, so beautiful it makes me kind of sad that my first listen to it isn't live. Just because like imagine the first time hearing this song it being live i feel like my chest would be just pumping so hard and i would be frozen still just like not knowing what's going on and i don't know there's no way we can overestimate how incredible these songs will be live even though we haven't seen them yet and there's plenty of bands where Honestly, like, their live show's good I'm not saying it's bad But, like, at the end of the day It's not gonna be on your bucket list Of, like, things to do before you die But, like, seeing Caspian Is one of those things where you have To see them live It's just an incredible experience So
0: I can't wait to see these songs live All right, let's move on To track number 7 Track number 7 is called Ishmael Nate, what are your thoughts on Ishmael? So I think I need
1: to listen to this song another like, I don't know, 30 more times before I can give you like my actual thoughts on it. Some background, I think heading into the album, this was the song I was most looking forward to from the title to the length to our friend Kevin from Valley Heart. He said it was his favorite on the album, so that created some anticipation. It's a type of song for Caspian where it's powerful and it's moving, but it's not heavy. It doesn't really get extremely dynamic or like extremely intense. And it's almost more of a story. There's just so many layers to this story. That's why I think it's so hard for me to like gather my thoughts because it's like... I don't know how to piece them together, or I don't really know what story they're telling. Not that I would, even if we did listen a lot, but I don't know what story I make of it. I think what I can say, though, is it's an extremely beautiful track. I love the use of the acoustic to somewhat bookend it. Yeah, it was just like a really beautiful, well-done song. What are your thoughts, Andrew?
0: Yeah, there's so much to unpack in basically an eight-minute-long song, so I'll do my best here. Some of the elements that I really loved, I mean, the violin is so cool in it. I love that it sounds like it was recorded as if you're in maybe like a a 10 by 10 room and someone's recording violin and you place the mic on the other side of the room. Like it does not sound like it's recorded that close. It doesn't sound... I don't know, it almost sounds a little bit more like someone's practicing violin than someone's recording violin, which has a very interesting sound. It's not that direct sound. I think it's intentional to make it sound like it's a little bit more raw, and I think it's really cool. When they start that violin part, they're playing that lead line that they play for like basically six minutes, and then they change it up. But when they're playing that lead line, it is such a long lead line and it is so unique. It's not what I'm used to hearing from Caspian, I feel like, as far as their lead lines go. And so I didn't realize that I was listening to the lead line for a while. And I was just so caught up in the violin and how it was recorded and... Just the overall sound that I didn't realize that they were playing a repetitive part. So it was kind of cool once the guitar took that lead line and kept going. That's almost when I started to realize like, okay, so this is the part. Like it's not just random notes being played over top other things. Everything in the song, by the time I got used to it, it moved on basically to something a little bit different. There's so many different layers. I think this is one of the best produced songs on it. I love the guitar tone. I think it's actually my favorite guitar tone on this album so far. It just has such a beautiful, beautiful tone to it. And there's so many different guitars. So when I'm talking about guitar tone, I'm actually talking about all the different guitars and how they're layered. Because I think it sounds so beautiful. And I was never bored with the song, which an eight minute long song, you could fall into that like okay when is it over but I wasn't bored with it it seemed to keep changing and evolving at the perfect times that maybe once I started to get comfortable and like okay when's the next song like if I ever was getting close to that point then it would change and that was perfect and so I think it's a great song all right let's move to our final track the final track is I'm assuming kind of the title track it is called circles on circles Nate, what are your thoughts on the last track, Circles on Circles? Yeah, so this
1: was the second single. I think, I think they only had two singles, Flowers of Light and then this. This is kind of a weird track to release as a single because it's so, in my mind at least, it's so conceptual. It's so, I don't mean that you don't put conceptual songs as singles, but I mean it's also so contextual within the album And it plays a very specific role as the last track where obviously it resembles the album within like the way the production is done, I think is true to the rest of the album for the most part. But outside of that, like not much of this song really finds itself through the rest of the album. So I think it's a very interesting single and I wonder why they chose to release this for a single. I'm very curious if anybody knows if they've talked about it or whatever, please let us know. I also don't think I would have liked it as a single. I think I would have been like, what is this? This is so weird, so out there for them. Even though it's probably their most normal sounding song for people who aren't listeners of the band. Yeah, I don't think I would have liked it. But within the album, I actually really love it. And I think it's so beautiful. And I think it obviously contrasts the rest of the album very well, and is I think it's more beautiful because of its place on the album and within light of the album. I feel like we should focus on the lyrics because they never have lyrics, but at the same time, I think I was so just drawn into the song itself and the way their voices kind of worked with the instrumentals that I didn't really focus on the lyrics, and so I'll definitely need to do that, but... There's definitely a lot of color imagery and then shape imagery with the circles. He says bend the collapse, so collapse is in there. But yeah, I also wonder who sings it, whether it's, I'm assuming it's the guys in the band, because with Kyle from Piano's Become the Teeth, they said featuring Kyle Durfee. So the fact that there's no feature here makes you think it's one or multiple guys in the band with the harmonies. But anyways, Andrew, what are your thoughts?
0: I think exactly what you said. I don't have too much else to add. I'm not sure I would have liked it as a single because it's not representative of the album at all. It is by far the quietest. It's also by far the one with the least amount of dynamics that it stays pretty plain for Caspian. That's what's so interesting is that, like you said, a lot of people might actually gravitate to this song if they don't know Caspian because... It sounds like something maybe they're more familiar with. For Caspian, this would come across boring out of the context of the album. I think it being the shortest song coming after the longest song, it really feels like a breath of fresh air. It feels like my head is still spinning from Ishmael. So it was so nice to have... Maybe a little bit more of a comfortable track, even though there is still stuff here. I think, similar to you, I still have to dive into the lyrics to understand them a little bit more. But... I think it was almost needed to close this album this way because there's so many layers to finally have a track that doesn't add a thousand more layers right before the end where your mind would just explode. This is nice where it just gives you time to kind of think back and reflect on the album as a whole. And it's insane how close in proximity it is to a song like Collapser. Like, just listen to those two songs together and... That just shows the range of Caspian, and that's insane that they're able to have this like really acoustic, quiet song with some vocals, and then they have Collapser, which is one of the heaviest songs ever. <laughs> <laughs> it's, so, it's so hard, and I think that that just shows the beauty of Caspian and what they're able to pull off as one band doing so many different styles. And I think it's a really great end to the album. Alright, so now we're going to move into some post-album talk. So we're going to do some some rating for this album. So for those of you who have listened to our podcast before, we rate five different elements between 1 to 10. And so those elements are instrumentals, vocals, lyrics, the package, which is the album artwork and the production, and the journey, which is the flow, consistency, and length of the album. Now, some of those elements that I mentioned, such as vocals and lyrics, they are very sparse on this album and aren't the main focus of the album. And so it is really hard to rate them individually because we're trying to avoid ranking them low just because they don't use them very often when they are used they're used very well so what we've decided to do is basically just package the whole thing together and just give you our score instead of breaking them down individually one to ten kind of ranking those we're just going to give you each of our score out of 50 and then we're going to add that together and that will be our podcast score for this album between one and ten we'll kind of break that down so Nate what is your score out of 50 for Caspian's on circles
1: yeah so just talking through real quick some of how I got to where I'm at the three main sections of our rating system that Caspian really fits in are the instrumentation the journey which is basically as Andrew is talking about The flow of the album the journey it takes you on like do the songs work together in their track listing placement also the length is it too long is it too short and then um, lastly the package which is the production and the album artwork and honestly all three of those sections to me are close to a 10. it's hard first listen because you're just so in awe and so amazed Things haven't had time to obviously settle in and me actually know what I think. Because when you listen to music, oftentimes you either over-hype it or underhype it. And who knows? Maybe I'm underhyping it. But uh, maybe it's even more incredible than I think it is. But I would say just take our ratings with a grain of salt. I'm sure in a couple months we'll have much more clear scores. We probably won't share them, but if you ask, we'll let you know. And yeah, so for me, I'm going to give it uh 47 out of 50 which is really high score obviously and maybe it could be like one or this is the thing like I think the length is there's nothing wrong with the length and yet I want more but that just shows how good of an album it is it doesn't that's nothing wrong with it and then the instrumentals are just incredible but honestly I genuinely think the strongest part of the album is how the track listing works together and how each song is stacked up and the journey it takes you on. I think this might be the best track listing or journey or whatever you'd like to call it that we've done on the podcast so far. I just think it's incredibly structured record. So, Andrew, what's your score?
0: So, I'm giving it a 45 out of 50. And similarly to you, I think that those elements between the instruments and the flow of the album and the production of the album are all extremely strong. And that's what carries for me such a high score. And it's just, it's so good. They obviously do an incredible job. My score basically puts it in the range for me of like a between like. Where we've ranked La Dispute and like Japanese House like somewhere in that middle kind of and I think that that's where this album feels like it sits. There's not much that I could nitpick on this album that feels like it's bad. I agree that I want more, but that's actually a good sign for a band that they've created an album that is so good that you want more. Because sometimes if you're at the end of an album and you're like, okay, I could have used a song or two less. Maybe the band didn't do a great job with their songs. So for this, it's only 8 tracks, and their last album was 10 tracks, so it was a little bit more, and it was about 10 minutes longer. So it's not out of the range of possibilities that they would actually have more on an album, but this feels really good. It feels really, really tight. There's no weak track, and... There's so many incredible tracks to choose from as far as favorite track as well on this album. And I think it's a it's a really, really solid album. It might be their best album to date. Again, trying to not just let recency bias carry my score or my thoughts on this album. But again, it is a really, really good album. So, between Nate and my scores, my 45 and Nate's 47, that equals a 92 out of 100, which equals a 9.2 out of 10. So that is our official podcast score. Again, if our opinions change ask us and we'll see if uh, maybe we're higher than we should be on this album or lower than we should be on this album so you can also let us know your score on this album so feel free to break it down in the same elements that we did or just give it a score and let us know your score on the album and yeah all right, Nate so finally let's talk about our favorite tracks on this album what is your favorite track on this album
1: so this is a nearly impossible task at the moment. I think I'm gonna go with Flowers of Light because it makes me so excited to listen to this record in the spring. Like, I almost don't want to listen to it. At so I'm looking out the window right now and there's snow everywhere, and I just want this to be an essential spring album because it just feels that way and it blossoms so beautifully. And I think Flowers of Light, obviously within the track name as mentioned before, but just with the way that song builds up and explodes is just so beautiful and so breathtaking and I would say that is representative of the album where they do have heavier stuff like Collapser but their dynamic stuff is often combined with beauty on this album it's not just heavy or intense or whatever but it's very beautiful it's very stunning and I think that song is a really good representation of that Andrew, what's your favorite track?
0: So the only thing that makes an impossible task of picking a favorite song harder is when Nate picks <laughs> your current. Favorite yes, song. yes, yes. So I was gonna go "Flowers of Light" too. Right now, currently, that part is still stuck in my head. That da 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 da. It's just, it's so cool. So I really love that song, and. It's hard to pick another favorite song. I could go with the hardest one, Collapser, because that was dope. I could go with the more electronic, "Andra." I think I'm going to actually go, just because I thought the production and the guitars were my favorite on this song, I'm going to go with Ishmael. I think it's really good. I think it has that, that dynamic. There's so much there, too. So I think it's right now in my head as far as... Which song am I most excited to go back and listen to? It is that one. So that's kind of why I'm giving it the edge. It's just I feel like there's going to be so much to unpack there, and I'm only going to like the song more and more. So I'll go Ishmael, although if I'm being honest, it's Flowers of Light. I'm just giving another option as well. But it's a great album. Extremely hard to pick a favorite. And I think as we both listen to this album a lot more, that favorite song is going to change maybe five, six (laughs) times because there's that many good songs.
1: Yeah, and I think just overall, obviously, I don't want to make predictions too early, but I'll speak for myself. I'd be very, very surprised if this wasn't on my top ten albums of the year. Like, I'd be very surprised. I just want to state that, so... It's that
0: good of an album. I would be surprised as well if it's not on yours. I'm just kidding. I'd also be surprised if it's not on mine. We got a great start to this year. Oh my god. We've goodness. already had Colony House. We've already had Caspian. We have Kevin Crowder. We have Tyson Motzenbacher. We got we got some we got some solid solid work this year already. And uh and I'm forgetting a bunch of other albums I'm sure as well. Pine Grove. Pine Grove, yes. Yeah. Just some really good work. Andy Schaff uh, just great year so far and so looking forward to breaking down some more of these albums for you guys please let us know your favorite song on Caspian's On Circles please let us know your score for this album and any other thoughts you have on Caspian you can find us on our socials at LDL Pod at both Twitter and Instagram and you can also email us at longdistance listening at gmail.com let us know all your thoughts stay in touch and make sure that you're you're subscribed to the podcast so you don't miss our other podcasts that we're planning on releasing we got some really fun ones coming up here for you that uh, that we really think you're gonna enjoy so thanks so much for listening and have a great day
1: Bill Redenbacher's white corn.